Um, number three on the list, CJ, what did Bam Adebayo do to anybody? Like, why is he the third most negative tweet? If you can get a theory on that, why the third most amount of tweets about him are negative if anybody in the league, Bam Adebayo? I'm just so confused. Well, Bam is such a nice guy. He's quiet. You, you've covered him in Miami. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I did a story on him about how he just bought his mother a house, like as the first, you know, as the most exciting thing that he could ever do. And yeah, and, all, and 37% negative. It's just got to be frustrated Heat fans who want him to shoot a long jumper. I think that's what it is. Yeah, but his midi is butter. Maybe it's because he went to Kentucky. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. You know who's across from me, Izzy Gutierrez. We are currently recording on a Monday. As always, this will be released on a Thursday. So forgive us in advance for the conversations that we're about to have. Um, obviously, as we record this right now, we're 13 games into this season. A lot of teams are playing probably better than we expected, right? And then some teams are not playing as well as we expected in the preseason. It's still very, very early, but there are a lot of players that are playing extremely well offensively is he i think jimmy butler had 35 the other night you've been watching i don't think luka Doncic has scored under 30 yet this season maybe i've mistaken but um Giannis is playing really well obviously dane john moran um the list goes on and on and b just dropped the 50 burger darius garland just dropped the 50 burger have you ever seen the league look like this in terms of scoring outbursts but also consistently scoring over 30 points per game First of all, look at you mentioning Jimmy Butler first. Not a lot of people around the NBA world are mentioning that guy amongst the best scorers in the league. But yeah, he just did have a 35. (laughs) Um, And Luca's had two games in the 20s so far, but everything else has been in the 30s or 40s. So he's been um, he's been ridiculous. I I don't think I can remember a singular time. I mean, there was a, a transition time where it was just like. You know, the first time with the the hand check rules after the, you know, the late 90s, um, there there were like subtle rule changes that just made for for higher scoring seasons. Um, But from one year to the next with like the take foul, I guess, being the one major rule change. Right. Uh, In terms Mm -hmm. of game flow, in terms of uh, uh, sort of promoting scoring, if you will. I, I didn't think it would be enough to get these types of numbers because you're talking about guys like, uh, what are we talking? There's still seven guys averaging 30 points uh, per game. And I don't think, well, we've had more than two uh, finish a season with 30 or more. And so, yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if this is like a new trend just based on that rule change or if it's just kind of a hot early season because there's some guys shooting from three like i don't know if this is the continued evolution from three cj because like right. michael porter jr doesn't seem like he can miss and you know he's a uh a big man who probably doesn't even take the easiest shots ever and they're still uh good shots for him so is it is it basketball evolution is it the rules of the game is it all just coming together i think it's a combination i think a lot of guys will regress to the mean but for some of these guys, their mean is 27 to 30 a night. If you look at Embiid, he basically averaged 30 last year. Luca's going to average 30. Let's just mm-hmm. get that out the way. So that's two guys that are going to average 30. And you look at the rest of the list, Steph Curry probably averages 30 or close to it, depending on how the end of the season goes with his minutes. Tatum, 
I mean, he averaged 27 last year, so he's in that 28 to 30 range. He's going to be close. Giannis is probably a virtual lock for 30. So I think we got three locks for 30. And then you got SGA, you got Don, you got KD who will average between 27 and 30. But I think the locks are Luka, Giannis, Embiid for sure. So that'll be the record, right, for for most players that averaged over 30 since Kobe, Iverson, and Braun. Yeah, just to clear up something I said earlier, there have been seven NBA seasons where there have been more than two 30-plus point-per-game scores, and it hasn't happened since 06 when it was Kobe, Iverson, and LeBron. So it's happened where there's been more than two seven times, but seven? (laughs) That's not going to hold up. Yeah, I don't think that holds up, but I think back to your earlier point, the game has changed. There's there's more three-point shooting. Obviously, the pace of play has increased. I look at the pace of play from when I got into the league in 2013 to how we're playing now, um, just myself particularly in New Orleans. like The the practices have an extra emphasis on pace, on flow, on pass aheads, taking shots within the first eight seconds on the shot clock, whereas before that was frowned upon, and you've been in the league long enough to know that it was frowned upon one pass shots, pass ahead shots, transition threes on the break. Like it was frowned upon. You're supposed to run run the lane. You know how I can tell it was frowned upon? Because the announcers from today, which were the coaches back then, are still saying how it's so frowned upon when really the whole league's doing it. <laughs> right. And the analytics is in your favor to play faster, shoot quicker, get more possessions in the game, which gives you a chance to score more points and win. So I think. That's been a huge factor. And then you look at the skill set on players now, not not that they weren't as skilled back then. There's a higher emphasis on shooting the basketball, spacing the floor. Your fives can shoot. Your fours can shoot. Some teams don't even play true fives. They switch a lot more so that there's more one-on-one play. The pain is open. So I think there's a lot of things factoring into this. I don't think seven guys will average 30 for the entire season, but I think more than two will, probably more than three if you look at the way Embiid plays, the way Giannis plays, the way a Steph Curry plays where they shoot threes. It's high usage. Jason Tatum shot 20 free throws in a game. Um, and, and in that same game, DeMar DeRozan shot 22. That kind of shows you how aggressive guys are, but also how they're able to manipulate the referees. I, I would give up a lot of things to be able to shoot 20 free throws in a game. So I just want to put that on the record right now. Uh, <laughs> would would be very, very nice. It may take me five or six games to get there at this rate based on how games are being called in, in New Orleans. When did it happen? Because it felt like, I don't know if it was just the Warriors doing it to Tony Allen or like there was a a very clear demarcation, it felt like, right around there, like the teens, where you can't, like you were saying, you can't have that weak spot. Like you have to be able to pretty much do all things on the floor, most notably shooting. But like if you have a major weak spot, it will be uh, exposed. Um, And so was it that? Was it? Was it sort of the the Warriors showing you that not only shooting wins, but ignoring non-shooters will will also help you win? (laughs) Yeah, this is a big boys league. And and if you look at how the game is played now, if a team scores, they run the same play over again. Depending on who they scored on, they're probably going to go back at that guy again. And then as the game kind of progresses, everyone's trying to find a favorable matchup. Uh, They call them pigeons. They call them babies, whatever you want to call them. Get that baby out the street. When you feel like you have a mismatch or a guy who just doesn't cover as well as everybody else on the floor, you're more prone to target them. So you're calling them up in in ball screens. You're running actions towards them to try to attack them. And you usually put your best offensive player in those actions against the team's worst defensive player. And I think you look at how Dallas plays, you look at how Phoenix plays, you look at even Memphis, we're going to be playing them. Uh, We'll have played them by the time this podcast comes out. Every team that has high usage guards or 
scoring guards, which is basically every team in the NBA. They're trying to find weak links on defense or just guys who aren't as good as the best defender each possession, Mm -hmm. especially down the stretch. All right. So explain to me, Pigeon, Uh, where where did that come from? So the first time I heard the term pigeon was in New Orleans. And they basically say, you know, someone who just can't really do anything for themselves is a pigeon. Like they can't really defend. They're helpless out there. Can't <laughs> pigeons can so pigeons fly. So you're out there. Can <laughs> pigeons fly? Can fly. <laughs> but then they fly far. Like usually you see pigeons just kind of walking around doing nothing, right? Right, right. They do seem pretty helpless. So you're out there on the floor. You're, you see Duncan Robinson on the other side. You're doing, you're doing what? Are you making pigeon sounds? <laughs> how are you how are you acknowledging that he is the bird that you are seeking this is this is what i would do we'd be at the free throw line i would say roll five duncan robinson and duncan would just look at me and i'd be like yes you we're going at him he doesn't guard he can't play defense or he's not as good as a defender as jimmy butler as right uh, bam out of bayou as kyle lowry like you go down the list and you just figure out like Maybe he's not even a bad defender, but he's just not as good as these guys laterally, and you know it. So you have to make the game easier for yourself. We were playing against the Utah Jazz. Roll five or two up, Kelly Olenek. Yeah, you, should, I, you know what? We should play that game. We should give me a five-man lineup, and we should help me figure out, figure out who the pigeon is. Pick just, the pigeon because you got a better chance of scoring or just creating an advantage for your teammates because the cool part is each team knows – who can't guard on their team, right? Like, you know, if someone's just not as great of a defender or it's like, if you got a mismatch, like let's say that I get caught on Joel Embiid, I'm calling for help. First of all, like, yo, <laughs> I'm white. Right. I'm fronting them. I'm doing whatever I can, but my teammates know I'm at a disadvantage, right? Like it, just about anybody guarding Kevin Durant, you're at a disadvantage. So you're calling for help, but your team has to be on high alert to create the rotation. So it's just not, it's not just a Duncan Robinson or a Kelly Olenek or go down the roster, pick a guy on the team. It's more so who's not the best defender that you're going against, right? And how do we exploit these matchups or just create advantages or closeouts for ourselves in rotations? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. So at some point, it just feels like an insult, 
right to that person and you're just going to try to you're just going to try to improve that skill set like same way you know if you're being left wide open like Draymond Green for example you're going to want to try to you know be a better shooter you know the Tyler Heroes of the world are tired of getting called out (laughs) why do I keep picking white players from Miami Heat but the Tyler Heroes are going to be called out and they're going to do their best to improve that defense so it feels like uh you can't be that person for too long otherwise you probably won't be around for very long no you got to take it personally and teams will call me up in screens too sometimes right like if you look at our our team right who starts me herb you don't want herb guarding you bi mm-hmm. six eight and he's long zeke can move his puppies but he's also strong and generally guarding a big you got the big fella jv who's either going to be at the level or in a corral so it's going to be harder for you to get around them you're looking around and Think about it. I guard ones now, so I'm like a big point guard or good size point guard. But if I'm on a three or a four, it's a little bit different for me, depending on how tall the three or the four is. So depending on what team we're playing against, like the Utah Jazz might want Laurie Marketing to have the ball against me, right? Because he's so tall. He's basically seven foot. It's easier for him to shoot over me as opposed to shooting over a six nine guy with a seven foot three wingspan. So you just gotta get stops. You gotta take it personally and like the Phoenix Suns, right? They'll try to run post-ups or whatever the case may be to try to get me tired, right? Try to wear me down offensively on defense. And you got to get stops and you got to let the bench know, like, I'm not going for none of that. Like, you get the stop and you look right at the bench. Like, you got me up. <laughs> <laughs> Market. Uh, we, who of the – so Jason Tatum seems to have made the biggest leap, uh, I would say, probably maybe SGA, but um, in terms of efficiency in his scoring – um, he's getting basically the same number of shots, but he's up at 32 and 32.3 per game. And that's the one where I wonder if it's like sustainable, if it's an early season success, like I, you guys have them, uh, third Friday. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. And, um, what have you seen from Jason that makes you think he has made this leap offensively in terms of efficiency? And do you think how much of that has to do with like, the end of the way the you know his season ended last year in the finals and you know maybe people say they couldn't rely on him late yeah i watched a lot of boston um warriors fans will attest i picked boston to win it all um after we were eliminated and they didn't but i think one of the reasons why i did was because of his ability to play make he improved as a playmaker and i think that opened up a lot of lanes for him offensively he's obviously a three level score he prefers to shoot the step back three or get to the rim, but he's added in a little floater. He's got quick finishes around the basket, and he's comfortable shooting a midi. He's got a little little Kobe post game, like where he can shoot spin fades over either shoulder. But I think the difference is his efficiency in three point attempts, quality, right? Like late shot clock, he's able to get quality three point attempts. Well, what we would call quality is a tough shot maker taking a shot that they practice over and over again, late shot clock. And the second part of that is ability to get to the free throw line, where he doesn't have to rely on great shooting nights. He can have okay shooting nights but get 12 trips to the free throw line, find a rhythm, still be able to score without taking an, a, an official field goal attempt and generates more confidence. It gener- generates more of a rhythm for not only himself, but that helps Jalen Brown, right? Because now we're in the bonus earlier. So JB can continue to be aggressive. He can get downhill. He can draw fouls to where he's not having to exert as much energy offensively because now they're in the bonus and you can't touch them. So I think those are the three things I've noticed. Playmaking ability, ability to continue to increase his ability to make threes and then also drawing fouls to make the game easier for everybody. Um, yeah, so it's funny because I think, you know, people felt like those two, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, were, were going to continuously grow, right? And they last year, people thought, hey, they're still growing, and they get to the finals. And I think maybe once you get to that level, you're just like, all right, that's 
that's it. That's the, the level that they're going to be at. And it feels like they've both made a bit of a g- jump. I think, uh, didn't Jalen Brown just start a game the other night, nine for nine from the field? Uh, it feels like he's just so much more comfortable knowing where he's getting his shots. And so, yeah, I wonder if if this is that next level for them. Like, it might not matter what's going on in the coaching ranks or in the front office or whatever, because these two guys are that good right now. They just made another leap, and it's just like you're in good hands with those two. Yeah, I think they've figured out how to coexist together. They're not fighting each other for shots. They're making the extra passes to each other, and I think they're celebrating one another's success, and that's the sign of a team that can continue to build together. Obviously, a lot of people have said they got to split up. JB needs his own team. They can't play together. They're two big wings. They're both ball-dominant, whatever the case may be, and I think they figured out how to both remain themselves while empowering each other, and that's very hard to do. Usually, someone has to take a step back, and I think Jalen Brown's alpha mentality is helpful because he's still aggressive. He's still able to find his shots. He's able to find how to impact the game, even when when Jason Tatum has it rolling. Like you said before, Tatum's averaging 30, and Jalen Brown starts a game nine for nine, but doesn't force himself into the game, right? Like he's still just taking the shots that are there as opposed to trying to get up to 25 shots. And I think that's the difference in the maturity level, but also in what they're trying to accomplish. They, ha- they got that close to winning a championship. So they realize if we can just tinker some things, start off a little bit better, not be under 500 at the halfway mark, then they give themselves a, a better chance of getting back to the finals. Yeah, I was trying to look at their uh, their free throw shooting numbers and see if there was a big leap from last year to this year. Yeah, Jason's made that leap from 6.2 free throws. I guess that was a career-high attempt last year. He's at nine a game now. And I guess that is where you can make that that bigger difference, right? There was a lot of times in the playoffs where um, this, you know, whether it's the Heat or the Warriors, the game got bogged down some. He's got to create and he does the thing where he's got this, you know, ridiculously long arms and he's, you know, uh, <laughs> sort of swipes through uh, as he's going to the rim. Wasn't getting a lot of those calls maybe in the Eastern Conference finals, maybe going into the finals. And it feels like he's more established ways to get to the line, given, you know, his obvious skill set. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit more street cred, if you will. Right. Like he's been mm. to the finals. He's played on the biggest stages. He's known as a scorer. He's a guy who's averaged over 25 in consecutive years, basically 27 a game last year. Um, The referees understand how he plays to understand his scoring areas. And I think they watch film just just like we do. And he's very good at drawing fouls. He's good at drawing contact. He's good at baiting you in there. And then he's able to maneuver off the bounce, right? He's got the quick twitch. He flinches at you as he's going through his between crosses. He has the threat of a step back, but then he's 6'8", 6'9". He might be 6'10 now because he continues to grow. Uh, Growth plates (laughs) are probably still open, and he has the ability to finish around the basket. And I think when you look at their offense, the way it's it's set up right now with Robert Robert Williams being out, they have Al Horford at the five. That's a spacing big. There's nothing but space around him for the driving angles. Their big is out on the perimeter so that it's easier to get downhill and, and finish around the basket or collapse the defense to make a pass out to the perimeter. Um, talk to me about uh, Donovan Mitchell with this Cavs team. Um, again, it's one of those situations where you watch him play and you're just like, all right, his game is effectively the same. It's not, uh, it's not this whole new element that he hasn't, that he didn't show at Utah, but he's upward at 31.6 points a game. And seems like he's just more comfortable even being more of a lead guard because that Utah offense, you know, was a lot of just kind of drive and kick, uh, 
whatever. It feels like he's just with a little bit more variety in the offense is even better score than we've seen before. Yeah, I think his efficiency is through the roof right now. As you said before, he's averaging basically 32 points per game, six assists. But what's what's most impressive is the 51 from the field. This is a career high in field goal attempts for him. And people talked about his playmaking, how he's improved as a playmaker, how he has better players around him. He's shooting more. He has the ball on his hands, probably a little less with Darius Garland coming back, but he's been more effective. And he's shooting 43% from three on almost 10 attempts a game. So that's showing you high volume right? High ability to make the right decisions and make his teammates better. He has an overall plus minus a plus seven. But I think the cool part is he has a bunch of bigs around him. He's got shooting. He's got K-Love coming off the bench and he has a dominant lead guard who enjoys passing and it's a perimeter oriented player. And I think he's maneuvering in spaces that he hasn't used before to where he's still getting his six assists a game, but he's having clear driving angles He's having an offense that empowers him. And I think he has a chip on his shoulder coming from Utah, you know, struggling in the playoffs, not being able to work out with Rudy. I think he put an emphasis on his work ethic, his development and being in shape so that he could get off to a really good start and show everybody that, look, I can play with anybody. And it wasn't me. I wasn't the issue in Utah. Um, and Darius Garland, like I, uh, he seems like one of those guys would just be a nightmare to try to defend just because I feel like he could probably cross you over three separate times uh, on one possession. He's just kind of really hard to, I don't know, it's just kind of hard to follow, it feels like. Do you have any, uh, like, do you see any similarities between the two of you guys in your game? He's super crafty, man. He's he's blessed with an ability to start stop. He's got that rare start stop ability where he can be going uh, 90, 90 to 100 miles per hour, stop on a dime, feet set, and, and knock down a shot. He's very crafty, nice hesitation, dribbles, uh, runs the pick and roll well, and is an underrated passer. He's, he's averaging eight assists a game. But you look at that 50-point game, I think he had 51, he hit 10 threes. He, he's turning the corner on some of these possessions where they're trying to hard hedge, right? In that last game, he was going against Rudy Gobert, one of the best defensive players um, in the NBA, multiple-time defensive player of the year. He turns the corner on him, throws the ball ahead like he's getting downhill. Shoulders down, waist down, heads down, eyes down. Bigs follow that, right? So it looks like he's driving. He's selling, I'm going to the basket. He puts the brakes on, crosses over. He's at about 10 feet. So he's about 10 feet away from the basket. He takes a step back with one dribble from 10 feet to about 25 feet and knocks down a three in the corner. And I think that shows you the ability to stop and pause, the ability to dribble and gather, and then set himself to shoot the three ball all in all in an instance going full speed most people would have settled for the midi there like stop put on the brakes i think donovan does it a lot he snatches back shoots the pull-up jumper i think tyler hero does it a lot in miami you watch a lot of those games he snatches back and he shoots the two this guy snatched back at 10 feet and got to three similar to drew holiday like strong core strong legs and, and great ability. that sounds impossible without traveling it sounds impossible without traveling. The, the math doesn't really work there. The, the math ain't mathing, but I watched <laughs> it and I said, and I thought to myself, well, that was that was impressive. And hmm. to knock that down full speed is, is really tough. So what's missing from the Cavs then? Because I mean, I said they got a hole at the at the small forward spot, but you know, you can. Karis Levert plays small forward, right? He does. He does, and you know, they've had some some ups and downs with him there. Uh, they don't have like uh, I think they're sticking with him there, but. Uh, you know, it's not like you need an all-star at every position. What what's what's missing from them? Anything? I don't know. Um, you look at their roster, right? They got defense, they got shot blockers, they got shooters, they got guys who just will do the little work. They got D Wade, they got Stevens, they got um Okoro, a bunch of lottery picks. They got 
a vet who comes off the bench and can shoot 40 plus and can offensive rebound and outlet. And then you got two, two headed monsters at the guard position, not to mention this all-star starting caliber center. So it's like, I don't know what they're missing. Maybe continue to figure out chemistry, camaraderie, how to play together because they got new pieces and newer roles with guys evolving. Evan Mobley and some of these guys are continuing to get better, but I mean, they're loaded and they're loaded for the future. A lot of these guys are locked into contracts. Some of them are on rookie deals. They've already paid out money to a lot of these guys. Garland's under contract. The big fella's under contract. Mobley's under contract for a while. Don's under contract for a while. So all these guys are under contract. So now it's just about building that chemistry and figuring out what type of role players you want to surround these guys with. Figured out what they could fill that small forward hole with. LeBron James? I don't know. I think he's familiar. <laughs> um, and by the way, I just realized the other day how fun it is uh, playing with Kevin Love in 2K because his outlets are ridiculous. Like it's, it's fast break every time. Um, do you want to know the last in 1962, who were the five 30 plus point per game scorers in the league that year? That was, I want to say the most uh, there's been in any season. In 62? 1962. I'm pretty sure you can guess. Chamberlain like and two, Jerry West. Two or three of them. Okay, I you got two of them. Head, Chamberlain was Chamberlain. number one. Now tell me how many points Chamberlain scored. 50. That season. Yeah, he averaged 50 that season. So he was number one. Uh, Jerry crazy. West was fourth with 30.8. There was three more. I'm looking at the list now. Oh, um, no, you're cheating. <laughs> but I did know that it would be Chamberlain and West. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Walt Bellamy gave you 31.6 points per game. In 1962, um, Bob Pettit, 31.1. And then it was Oscar Robertson, 30.8. What was the difference? What was going on in that season? I I didn't know Bob Pettit was getting to it like that. 31.1, goodness gracious. And Oscar was basically flirting with a triple-double with the 30 points, huh? Yeah. Probably 9-9 or 8-8. As he think he is, Russell Westbrook. Uh, So you got the other day. You guys beat the uh, Houston Rockets, and at the end of the game, it was a little scuffle there between uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jose Alvarado. Um, Jose Alvarado, who is his nickname, is what? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Grand Theft Auto because of okay. his move, where he sides in the corner and steals uh, inbounds passes. But uh, he has gone from like guy with a move to like a really quality NBA rotation player, like. Talk to me about Jose, like what makes him so effective and like it feels like his story is going to live with him, you know, throughout his career. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Jose fan. I think the cool part about his story is that he was undrafted, you know, a kid from New York, um, really had to work his way up, right? Goes to Georgia Tech, wins defensive player of the year. Obviously, he's playing during COVID, you know, what those COVID years were like for a lot of college students. And yep. works out for a bunch of teams, doesn't get drafted, ends up signing a, a you know, a basically a two-way summer league deal with the Pelicans. Um, plays well, plays aggressive, continues to work on his game. And like you said before, he was known as a guy who was just a pesky defender. Now he's shooting 46% from the field, 42% from three, hitting big shots and big moments, but then also continuing to figure out ways to stay true to his DNA, which is tough, tough, hard nose tough-minded player from New York City who's going to do whatever it takes to help his team win. Fan base loves him. Teammates love him. Staff loves him. And he still comes and he works. I told him, I said, the difference between guys that stay in the league and guys that are in and out isn't the talent. 
it's the work ethic, the want to, and being a good teammate. He has the work ethic. He has the want to, and he's continued to be a good teammate. So I'm happy to see him being successful and playing well, getting minutes down the stretch of games and delivering as he has for us um, as of late. Um, there was a while there where Udonis Haslam was the only one still sporting the long braids uh, in the league, and now it's it's Jose. Um, does he get a lot of flack for that, or does he just own it? No, he just owns it. He'll come to practice sometimes with his hair out and have his hair flowing. Um, mm. Similar to B.I., although Jose probably takes better care of his hair than B.I. is right now. I told B.I. he needs to go do something, you know, maybe wash it and, you know, figure out if he wants to comb it out or get it braided. But he said he's rocking the the nappy fro um, for the foreseeable future. Well, it, it works with him because he already looks sleepy, right? So it just looks like he just got up and, and didn't bother doing much. But um now that I think about it, your guys' roster has got some pretty good hair possibilities on it. Like that's a that's a good group. Yeah, uh, Jack's got the curly, <laughs> you know, the Bart Simpson flow. Yeah, yeah. The uh, what's his name? Uh, Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Sideshow uh, Bob. Right. Now she got long hair. He got braids too. He's been changing his braids up. Trey got the baby fro. Uh, I got the nappy fro. Like a lot of guys, you know, different looks, different strokes for different folks. So, CJ, there was this list. Um, it was a little bit earlier in the season, but it was uh, just a percentage, the highest percentage of negative tweets. This is uh, via the Action Network who looked this up, okay? And so, top of the list, like, it's people you could probably understand that why they get so many negative tweets. Top of the list, Marcus Smart, 41% of the tweets uh, about him negative. I think that's a bit harsh. I think it's a little harsh. Uh, a I think it's probably because of all the... You know, supposed flopping uh, is probably what and the theatrics. Uh, Draymond Green, understandable. Um, number three on the list, CJ, what did Bam Adebayo do to anybody? Like, why is he the third most negative tweet? If you can get a theory on that, why the third most amount of tweets about him are negative of anybody in the league, Bam Adebayo. I'm just so confused. Bam is such a nice guy. He's quiet. You, you've covered him in Miami. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I did a story on him about how he just bought his mother a house, like as the first, you know, as the most exciting thing that he could ever do. And yeah, and all and 37% negative. It's just gotta be frustrated Heat fans who want him to shoot a long jumper. I think that's what it is. Yeah, but his midi is butter. Maybe it's because he went to Kentucky. Yeah, people forget that sometimes. No, yeah. maybe. I mean, I don't know if there's that level of Kentucky haters because there's not that many, you know, Kentucky guys on this t- on this list. List, but I don't know what it is. I blame Boston Celtics fans, frankly. Uh, then you get that Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, another guy taking strays. It feels like Rudy Gobert and Jason Tatum. Uh, the reason I bring this up, Siege, because you're like the opposite of the top of that list. You are. You have the second lowest, at least when Action Network did this, the second lowest percentage of negative tweets um i forget who had the 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 nice who had the the least amount of negative tweets but you were second um first of all do you like that or do you feel like you had a little wish you had a little bit more of an edge there with no the it's fans? an honor it's an honor to, to to be the second lowest negative tweets i think we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I think I can relate to people, right? Like, I'm not that tall. I'm not that big. I went to a small school. I got a cool story. I stay out the way. I just do my job and I go home. And I think people can respect that and relate to that. I think it's crazy to see that, you know, 41% of their tweets are negative or 38 is just a, a high number of negativity. And it makes me think, like, how many people are you blocking and like, how do you filter that out? Because you can't take on all that negative attention. Like it's not, it's not good for the soul. So I think guys, I hope they block button is strong. And then you look at the market. Some of these guys playing, like why are JB and Jason, when they just went to the finals, <laughs> like what, never do enough. What could they be doing better? Like, I don't understand it at all. Jimmy Butler just was one shot away from the finals last year. I, I look, I think, I've come to the conclusion now that it's Bam and Jimmy just taking strays from the big three, from the big three era where everybody thought the Heat didn't deserve that. And so now it's just like, nope, the Heat get no success. You guys, negative stuff. I'm pretty sure Trey Young, it's just about his hair. Pretty sure like all those <laughs> negative tweets are just about his hair. But we got to get you to like, I think we got to get you higher on that list, TJ, because I don't know if being the most liked person actually sells. Um, what do you think? Like, I have an answer for this for me, and I can give you mine first if you want. But what is something about you that is the, the 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 worst thing somebody can say about you that is actually true? I think right now they could just say that I'm shooting the ball very poorly, and I think <laughs> that's a bit very accurate. So I wouldn't even be mad at that. I, I've called some people some parlays, and they had the mm. over on two threes, and I hit one, or they had the under on five rebounds, and I got seven. So it's like they want you to rebound less, shoot more, and then they like you didn't get enough this or that it's just it's always a lot but the funniest thing that i think i've seen was someone saying that you know my powers got taken like on space jam and somebody needs to give me my powers back and i thought that was that was hilarious uh i have been shooting that poorly but i also have been feeling like you know very poorly health-wise um with colds oh, yeah. and viral infections and stuff but yeah the tide is turning a baby um so the worst thing that somebody could say about you is and you are one of the best at, in the world at it. You just happen to not be doing it so well right now. Like, that's the worst thing somebody could say about CJ McCollum. Yeah, there's nothing else that they could say that would be factually true. That would be like a negative. Like, I do my job. I do my job as the PA president. I do my job as a father, as a son, as a teammate. And uh, with all that being said, I'm still helping my team win games and still contributing towards winning. Still got a good plus minus. My own court is probably a six or seven. Mm-hmm. Differential, maybe an eight depending on how well we're playing offense. But I think it's funny. Like, we look at all these things and we're like, oh, one person says one bad thing to you. It's like the end of the world. And it's like, well, there's thousands of people who, like, admire what you do and are happy to see you doing well. And and you can't let the negativity overpower you or overwhelm you. And understand that uh, they hate on Jesus, too. So there's nothing you can do perfectly uh, well in everybody's eyes. And 
Um, Michael Jordan was great, and people still said that he shot too much or he did this or he did that. And and B just had 59, and somebody will say that he's not, not good at something and he'll make up something. I mean, he should have gotten 60. Like, how do you not get 60? Yeah, he, missed, he missed four uh, free throws. <laughs> Worst thing somebody could say about me, and this is crazy because I work on it a lot, is uh, I think I have a short temper sometimes. And it's not all the time, but it has to be like something that really matters to me or someone that really matters to me. I might get a little get animated before – I should. And the second thing is, is I definitely don't dance enough at big gatherings. And it's not because like I've seen videos of myself dancing. It doesn't look that bad, but I don't know. Like I've just never been the party starter. And so like nobody wants to be the guy like everybody just looks at each other and just standing around. You got to have somebody doing the. And that's just not me. I don't do it enough. That's probably the two things you could say about me. So think about how well you're living life. If the worst thing you could say about you is you're not a dance starter and that you may have a short temper when somebody pisses you off about your family or somebody you care about. Like that's, that's everybody. Like, yeah. But if I was in the NBA, I'd probably shoot like 3% from three instead of 27.9, <laughs> which is what you're shooting right now. So I, I, my list would grow. My list would definitely grow. What's um? how are you like, how are you feeling this season? Like outside of, you know, having a kid and getting sick, uh, what's what's uh, the individual feeling? Because obviously the team's got some some room to grow, but you yourself. Yeah. No, I think considering the circumstances, right, we've had a lot of starters in and out of the lineup, had some injuries. I think we've played six games or seven games out of the 13 with our actual starters. Some of that was been sprinkled in with one guy being out or two guys being out. Um, tough schedule, eight of our first 11 on the road, three losses in overtime. I think we're, we're, we're fair and pretty well like it could be a lot worse you know you look at some of these other teams who are struggling or balls not bouncing the right way if we win three of those overtime games in which one laker game we definitely should have won utah game guy hits a tough shot and then we go on an overtime um against atlanta where we get a shot at the end of regulation to win it you know we, we go from seven and six to ten and three and like that's the difference, like one possession. So I think we're growing as a unit. And part of my job is to help guys from a maturity standpoint of understanding how to be professional each day through wins and losses, but also how to work, how to work smarter, not necessarily harder, how to break down film and how to be consistent when I'm shooting 40 from three or my career average of 39 or 38. And when I'm shooting 27, I still have to be the same. I still have to work. I still have to have that mentality to where I can impact games in other ways. Like, you know, if I'm only going to shoot three for 14, I need to be able to go get us some rebounds, go get us some assists, have a low turnover, and still be a plus minus 20 on the court, which means I'm really impacting the game. So that when I do go 11 for 14 and 10 for 14 in the mean returns, um, where I'm shooting 45 to 49% from the field, I'm still playing defense. I'm still rebounding. I'm still assisting, and my impact to the game is that much more valuable. But I think for me, considering all circumstances, being in seven and six and having not played well personally, but also having some injuries as a team, I think with, with 68, 69 games left, we're heading in the right direction. But you're, you know, career high so far in assists, career high in rebounds. Like it's what you're saying about impacting the game in different ways. But in terms of that part, in terms of sort of uh, orchestrating, in terms of fitting or finding your fit, like it feels like that's there for you, right? It's just maybe the right yeah. shots aren't there yet. Yeah, I think the fit is is definitely getting better, more comfortable for everybody understanding play calling, understanding spacing. You know, you go through those things when you have lineup changes or when you have a gravity guy like Z who comes in and he changes the game. He changes the way you call a game, what sets you're running, where he's out on the floor, how the defense guards him. I'm getting great shots, especially these last few games, a lot of catch and shoot shots, a lot of open ones, and I haven't made them, but that's just a, a matter of reps and then trusting the work and then understanding that 
over over a you know 82 game season the law of averages will will be what it's going to be and your work will always show like who you are is going to show over the course of the season a couple guys can can have good games in small sample sizes but you know who's really who and, and who really can perform and i think for us we know who's who now it's about locking them the little details spacing understanding defensive concepts taking care of the ball boxing out teams like the houston rockets who thrive on offensive rebounds not fouling you know, saying taking advantage of who we are as a team, which is a team who puts pressure on the rim. We shoot a lot of mid-range shots. We score in transition. We defend well in the half court. We have to continue to do those things. Well, the Saints don't look like they're going to be recovering this season, so you're going to get more eyes on you. So uh, I'm sure right when you start to uh, regress back to the mean, we probably shoot the lights out when everybody's paying attention. I like that. No, I like that a lot. All right. The next time we will be speaking will be next week. We will have played... 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 games. We'll have played 18 games by the time our next podcast comes out. This is going pretty fast. It's crazy. But as always, I'm looking forward to watching some basketball. Looking forward to being home for the first time in a long time for more than three days. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And I hope the Browns figure it out because it's looking bad right now for us. This has been Counting with CJ McCollum. Thank <laughs> you.